<laughs> and we're live, sort of. Like we don't we don't get all the energy of William Joseph Roberts and his uh, pirated radio station, but apparently you can't pirate radio channels because the FBI gets involved. He doesn't look good in pinstripes, but I mean, we did bail him out for this podcast, so that's that was nice of uh, of I'm Nick. Yeah, but you're not in like FBI bend you over jail. So, I mean, that's progress, right? Well, the suits haven't showed up yet. Give it no, time. Don't, don't talk. You're welcome. It can happen. It's only illegal if you get caught. Don't worry about it. Okay, okay. Well, then just don't we get caught. Right? The first time. That's right. Crack bang out. All right. Hey, all you crazy fantasy fans. Time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to start with uh, an update. We were supposed to be recording this morning a proof of life video to show you that Doc is in fact alive. Uh, normally, you don't notice year after year that we've like spent all of June like triple recording episodes. So you don't notice when she takes her several month break from the podcast to do Dragon Con management stuff. Like you know, she's got like thirty people that come. It takes a lot of her time to make that Dragon thing happen. Like thirty people's a lot, right? Like it's her living room gets full. Okay, but since that uh, that didn't happen because my computer died and it took me forever to fix it. Uh, we apologize, but no, we didn't fire her. She was not abducted by aliens. Uh, Hillbilly did not like steal her for his pirate radio station. Um, so, so as far as we know, she's still coming back. We're good to go. I can vouch that she is alive because I was stuck on a call with her and Mara during lockout for Dragon Con, like that last hour before they locked it all out. I called her during the right before they locked it out, and I didn't realize it was lockout. And she started screaming at me. And I didn't know she remembered so many of those cuss words from the army, but she did. <laughs> and she she asked me to do some things that were anatomically impossible. My head does not fit there. All right. I just want I you to know. those uh, sentence enhancers. Oh, uh, sentence enhancers. That's, she was enhancing the hell out of those sentences. She was showing the love, man. Showing the love. Right, right. Showing the love. All right. So the next part of the introduction of this, uh, this new format style we're doing is we're going to let our guests introduce himself. Uh, Nick's actually been showing up a lot, so we don't need to introduce him. But uh, we'll start with the ladies first. So, Miss Stabby. I don't know him. You got to introduce him. Oh, Nick, introduce yourself then. Uh, apparently, we got to use manners and shit. What are those? I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're a bunch of grunts. I forgot about that shit. Eight <laughs> <laughs> <Hate> stronger together. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Nick Garber. I'm the president of FG Comics, a former. Army Airborne Ranger of the Second Ranger Battalion. Um, I make '90s style comic books that people seem to enjoy, so I keep drawing them. And uh, I'm a co-host on this lovely podcast that we call the Blaster and Blades Podcast. We need to talk offline later. So, okay. uh, Scabby, uh -oh. that's never good. <laughs> uh oh, that sounds like he's going to give you more work. But Scabby, nice I thought buddy. you were the president, and he worked for you as your peasant. So it was nice oh. of you to let. Name that title. It's an off election year. She's the chief of operations, which is more important. <laughs> so All right, Madam Savvy. He, is, he does the, the art. Um, I ship, ship everything out. So you know, if you've got any of his comic books, you're, you're welcome. Um, as George has said, I, I am Maddie, Madam Savvy. I am married to Nick. Ranger Nick, 
but um, I see us more as partners in crime than you know, boss and servant. <laughs> okay. Bonnie and Clyde, I dig it. That didn't end well for them, so just be careful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. In the cars. All right, all right. Stay away from the cars with the uh, suicide doors. All right, next we got Miss Jenny Wren, E. Wren. So you introduce yourself for people who might not know who you are. Um, I'm Jenny Wren. I write with Three Ravens. Gotta pimp the gear. I'm gotta. <laughs> Good I've minion. Gotta, exactly. I've got to get my hillbilly points. You got to earn the minion points. Um. <laughs> Right, science fiction, fantasy, steampunk, uh, trailer park, trailer park one and two. Anybody haven't heard of those, you need to go check them out because they're awesome. Um, minion extraordinaire, as we see, just you know, there's not many people who can keep up with hillbilly, but if you can, you damn well earn a coin for it. So, does this uh, mean you're not what? one of the three ravens? <laughs> hillbilly, I think you should, I think you should explain the, the three ravens piece. Uh, um, okay, so there, there are actually three of us, three partners, uh, myself, Benjamin Tyler Smith, and R.J. Layden. Um, and, I mean, that that's where the whole Three Ravens thing came from. So what I'm hearing, Jen, out of that is there needs to be a coup if you want to be a raven. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Hillbilly, you heard nothing, all right? You heard nothing. You've got plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's funny about having Philip and me here. <laughs> Uh, no got to write a novel to get one of those. Yes, that's the thing. When we talk about coins, three ravens, there are coins um, that you only get. You only get that coin when you're a three ravens novelist. If you're an anthos, if you're an editor, tough shit, Buttercup. <laughs> you don't get the coin until you get the novel. So you can be a three ravens author, but you're not a coin carrying three ravens. Uh, author until you have that novel. So. Okay, okay. So uh, in uh, order, because it's like a, a weird shaped thing with seven of us, we're just gonna we're just gonna go with it. Mr. John Apple, can you introduce yourself to the uh, viewing audience, please? I'm the uh, HMFIC Seclusion Studios. I've done uh, some concept work on a book called Mary Machine Gun for Atrocity Press. Uh, I have some work in Mississippi Zombie Volume 2, and I just got uh, Exodus Z out to all my uh, my backers. So right now I'm working on a follow-up to that, and then, like Nick, I have a 90s book that I'm doing on my own as well. Cool. And, uh, and what kind of stuff do you draw? Is it just comics, or do you do, like, digital content too? Yeah, I, I, I do uh, comics. Most of the work that I've been paid for has been horror-related. But uh, I'm mainly doing the 90s book so that I can show that I, I'm more than just a one-trick pony. I enjoy drawing fucked-up stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want to just draw the same thing over and over again. I will just let the listeners know that I am indeed a one-trick pony. That's what she said. Oof. She's right here. I've got at least two or three tricks, so it's something. All right. Outstanding. We won't ask what those are because we're going to try to pretend we're still family-friendly podcasts, and we're going to let oh, Mr. Philip K. Booker oh. introduce himself to our listeners and viewers. Uh, hi, hi, everybody. Uh, my, name, uh, my name is Philip K. Booker, and when I'm not fumbling over my tongue... 
Uh, I write urban fantasy, science fiction, and just about anything else that uh, the evil mind squirrels will uh, tell me. Not to poach uh, Hillbilly's line. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a writer and sometimes editor for uh, for Three Ravens. And uh, my first work was actually with you, JR, in the Storming Area 51. Yeah, we oh, were just the talking about it. Yeah, we actually had to um, modify some of the stories and print it smaller than standard to fit <laughs> them in. Um, I'm not saying it's a Brandon Sanderson novel. I'm just saying if I drop it from a two-story building, it will kill you. It is a brick. Yes, <laughs> it's about yay thick. Yeah, um, that is the anthology. The only one I have not made money at because the FBI cock blocked us. So <laughs> if they had let the Area 51 thing go, like it would have been the Woodstock of our generation. That thing would still be selling. We'd all be buying like additions to our trailer parks, <laughs> and then we'd write another story for Hillbilly about like how that all went wrong. <laughs> but no, no, the FBI showed up and told the guy to shut it down. Well, I'm pretty sure we're all on a watch list right now. Yeah. We'll talk <laughs> I, offline. I spent a lot of time online looking at aerial photo photos of Gro Grove Lake. <laughs> yeah. Grove Lake. <laughs> it was it was one of those things where like we had thirty, like I said, thirty-six authors contributed, so it was hurting cats. So that was a learning oh, yeah. experience. <laughs> um, it was I still am very proud of that anthology for all it never made back what I spent. With all the experience I've got on doing anthologies. Dude, that that was that had to be a lot of work. That many people, oh my god! Yeah, and there were some authors inside that didn't like each other, so I had to like herd the cats, and it's it's just a thing. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely I learned what not to do on anthologies with that one. So I'm hoping I can figure out an angle to like rebrand it so people will still buy it. I know on the 26th, we are recording this on July 23rd. There's supposed to be a hearing where they tell us where the aliens really are. I think they're trying to distract us from something else, but I will take it if they open the doors to Area 51. The cool part is I know active duty officers in the Air Force when this happened, and there were legitimate PowerPoint briefings where Air Force officers, old, like, stodgy white dudes, were having the concepts of Karens and Chads and Naruto running all explained to them in death by PowerPoint. And I imagine it's so cringe that I just, I feel bad for them, but I'm laughing. I really am. Yeah, they're all in Site 4 in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> they mobilized the Air Guard and the Air Reserve for this because they thought – like Naruto was going to overrun them. They didn't know what Naruto was, but he was definitely going <laughs> to. So, well, uh, until the suits show up and get out of the car, you don't get pucker factor. I mean, that seeing them get out of the car and no shit, the full black suits, the sunglasses, man, it's just like, oh damn. So, you're not sure what the hell's going on. <laughs> So I wrote my short story when I was still pretty active with the local NaNoWriMo group. Uh, it just got too expensive to go to Panera two times a week to sit with friends and write because, you know, it ain't cheap. So I stopped going. But uh, one of the, the girls that was there with me that was also writing uh, Area 51 story were like, hey, let's uh, let's go look at the, the map of Area 51 so we can sort of get the details right. So her and I are both sitting there and somebody else is like, oh, I'll write an Area 51 story. So now there are three of us on a computer separately looking at maps of Area 51, and suddenly all three of our screens went black at the same time. <laughs> Wi-Fi's down. And everyone else around us like, what are you talking about? Our Wi-Fi's working just fine. And we just looked at each other. We're like, we're calling it a night, people. <laughs> and we just we left. We got up. We walked out. We're like, I'm out. Dang. Cut sling load. Cut sling yeah. load. Go. <laughs> I am sure that was probably some cosmic coincidence. But the odds of that, I was like, nope, I'm going home. I know yeah. nothing. No, it was the... Uh... 
the spooky fellows that were coming for you. Well, well, if they came, the they got the rest of our nano group. Come to think of it, I haven't seen some of those fellows again. <laughs> anyway, Darwin in action. I love it. Yeah, so that, uh, that's uh, interesting. But uh, now we have to let Mr. Hillbilly introduce himself and his mind scrolls. <laughs> oh, wait. I I thought – no, I didn't. Yeah, we it. completely Okay, so you. I am William Joseph Roberts. I write sci-fi, <laughs> fantasy, horror, anything the evil mind scrolls demand of me, and I am the lead publisher at Three Ravens Publishing. <sighs> nice, nice. So what are you most known for? Uh, I don't know. At this point, Trailer Park, uh, going at Mach 2 at, at every convention I'm at. <laughs> okay yeah so he he doesn't want to admit it because he's a humble person but i'm just saying there's a certain alien erotica writer who may or may not be him i'm just saying it tingles what? when he walks out in the sunlight have you seen them in the same place at the same time just saying what did i get myself into <laughs> so Welcome to the dumpster right. fire, my friend. That that is that is exactly the question that Jenny and I asked ourselves when we were reading that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, if you have KDP Rocket, you can see what they make in sales, and those books make nothing. I've got this theory that an AI writes them, and it's just a gimmick because it's all about the cover. No one reads the books; it's just the cover. Well, the cover of his would be comical. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but he did he did get nominated for a Hugo, so there's that. Wait, Where is what? That? Are his covers kind of like in Paul? It's like, oh, three boobs. Awesome. Uh, weirder <laughs> aliens. We'll talk offline. It's, that would make us not a family-friendly show. Oh, very quickly. Think oh, um, the spy that shagged me and add monsters. We're like, you You have kids, Scott. Uh, hey, William, we... You know that's not how these organs work, right? <laughs> <laughs> or does he? So, uh, and then that leaves You've me been with an alien woman, right? Like, the anatomy is kind of weird, known. but but you know that's the next podcast we'll record. But uh, so that would leave me, J.R. Henley. I write military sci-fi and now military fantasy. Uh, I, the most fun I've had is writing with James Ward of D and D fame. We are um, driving each other bonkers, but it's been gloriously fun. Um, sometimes his wife calls me and she's like, yeah, he's bothering me. Give him more work. So there's that. Fair. And uh, and since he gets to be, Nick gets to be president of Apogee, I will now claim I am the president, CEO, and head person in charge. Just don't ask the other people that work for the company of Bayonet Books. I've always claimed president. And eventually so, you're going to be a staff writer. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just, oh, I'm just saying, old. yeah, I'm just saying my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. So you Thank know what God. she doesn't know. Yeah, what she doesn't know won't hurt us. So I'm not claiming. Would never let me write for you ever again if she listened to the podcast. Yeah, probably she'd send us both to the funny farm. But you know that's another story. And with that being said, as part of our new format, now that everybody's introduced themselves, we think everyone's sober-ish. So we're gonna rock on. Uh, the topic that we were gonna got everyone together to talk about is what makes a good superhero. And I know we've got uh, Nick and John who tell superhero stories from the comic perspective. We've got Stabby that reads, watches, and uh, looks at all the pretty pictures Nick draws. So she's kind of a multifaceted. And she plays the video games. People, she is rocking that Atari like it's nobody's business. Um, that's what the cool kids are playing, right, Stabby? Atari, is that, am, am I hip and with it? Yeah, something like, like that. It's one of those things with this with the joystick. Okay. Okay, and then that leaves uh, uh, the rest of uh, 
<laughs> that leaves Hillbilly, uh, Jen, and Philip, who who write the words and tell the heroes that way. So we'll start with the simple. What do you think makes a good superhero? Compelling story. I mean, you got to have the compelling backstory for the character. If it's just a blah, 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 okay, who cares? Okay. Yeah, I the the main thing that I go for is why does my audience give one iota of a crap about what they're reading? Yeah. Why do they care about this character? Um, I've always said that the villain should be more interesting than the hero. It doesn't mean that you can't put any development time in the hero because the hero is supposed to rise to the challenges that he faces. Yeah. Um, that's a trope that's going to stand the test of time. My, as a hero, you are nothing without a, a villain a villain that challenges you that um, pushes you to the next level because if you're not if you're not that guy you're just someone that's stopping petty crime or petty anything really so it's all about i think the villain and i think the supporting characters too are just as important as the hero um you should develop those also um and give them get them to that point where people are asking you how come this person doesn't have their own comic book or doesn't have their own story as a supporting character. You know, it's got to be something more than a sexy lampshade. Um, I don't know where that I picked for up Vertigo, that line. Though. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's why they go like four or five issues and then they have to reboot again. But I digress. I just picked up my first mainstream <laughs> comic in like a decade yesterday, so it's been pretty good. But that's what a hero is to me. Um, He's, he's somebody that you can identify with, and there's lots of different archetypes that you can follow um, to find your someone that you relate to. And that, I think that's what makes a, a good superhero, someone that you relate to, has the same type of values as you, even if it's not like 100% across the board. Mm. You know, um, there's people that identify with Punisher. Well, I mean, Punisher's, you know, unless you're... <laughs> You got a sixth sense of humor, you know, probably not going to follow all your values across the board, but we've all had those thoughts like the Punisher one. Like, why wouldn't somebody just, you know, do something about that? And we know what kind of justice he puts out. But then you got Batman and you got Daredevil and you got Spider-Man. You got all these yeah. different type of heroes out there that um, can apply to anybody, really. Um, but I think that really makes a superhero great is his villain. So, I mean, it's more of a villain discussion for me. Um, I can tell you how to make a good superhero. And the first thing I'm going to say is make a good villain. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, what about everyone else? Do you got anything to add to that? What about when the villain is the superhero? Oh, then you have I'm writing something like that right now. And they're actually the same person because they have split personalities. But, yeah, you, you make an interesting point. Um, Hancock was technically a villain for the longest yeah. time. Oh yeah, yeah he was. I mean, he was the, the antithesis of the 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 antihero for half the freaking movie, and then it flips over. Yeah, you know, I was thinking again. Hancock, and then there's also it's animated, but I mean, I'll watch a story if it's a good story. But like Megamind, yeah. like technically he was the bad guy, yeah. but he ended up being the good guy yeah. in a sense because the actual hero was a family friendly. <laughs> Jerk. He's a jerk. <laughs> and I loved how he said Metro City. Right. Metrocity. I loved it. I love Megamind. Yep. So, I mean, that's kind of like a super villain is the hero. So, I guess it's like, how do you define hero? 
Ooh, that's a deeper question. I like that. Well, I mean, that, that, 10 points to Gryffindor. That, that in itself has so many different connotations. I mean, you have to define it culturally. I mean, if you roll back the clock, somebody who brought food and things like that to the starving village. Robin Hood. You know? So you mentioned um, that uh, superhero was defined by the by the um, their villain. So sure. and then when you listed when you listed a superhero, you mentioned Batman, which I would have always considered a vigilante. So do you think there's a difference between a superhero and a vigilante with gadgets? I think superhero was more of just a blanket term for anyone that's out to do good. Yeah, but not everybody's technically out to do good. I mean, Batman, yeah, yeah, is out to do good, but he does it in a, well, it's not really a bad way, but he's brutal. He beats the crap out of him. I mean, him and the Punisher, they're, they're, they all deserve it, though. He's the lo fi Punisher. Yeah. I mean, he's the Punisher without ammo. Well, that just tells you that the difference is money between those two. It's whether you're going to be on Criminal Minds or be uh, on, you know, e entertainment. Well, with, with the exception of Conan being one of my favorite characters, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the Conan comics were awesome. You had the Savage Sword and, and the, um, uh, what was the other magazine back in the day? Um, it was just straight Conan. Well, you had Conan Saga and then the Savage Sword were the big magazines. Then you had the regular comics. Yes. But um, the main man. The main man. I, I love <laughs> Lobo, but Lobo's just out there. I mean, he is absolutely freaking brutal. He killed his entire civilization off with the exception of what his English or something. Everybody but himself, I thought. No, there was one other. It was like his English teacher was the only one left one, and it was so obscure. I thought that that you're only going to find it in the DC encyclopedia. Yeah. Well, no. If you find there's one comic that he meets back up with her. Um, I forget which one it is, but there was one comic that he met back up with her. I think it was just after the trucker ones. Um, it's been a while since I've I read it. Is that the one with like, it was like mid 80s when it came out, like 85? No, this was more like 90, 91. Mm. But, okay. You know, Lobo in general, he's just, he's a bounty. Hunter. I think 30 years ago is 1990s. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm right there uh, with you. Um, you know, he, he's a bounty hunter. I mean, he's out for the cash, he's out for himself. He doesn't really care. But then every now and then you get that little glimmer of, of something and decides to help somebody out. You know, but it's it's a rare thing. Okay. Well, if you're gonna talk hero yes. versus vigilante, you can't really. I mean, take Daredevil for example. He tries to do it properly through the court of law, but then when it doesn't go, it goes and wants it to. He takes it into his, his hands after after Bill is ended. So, is hero or is he a villain? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think the uh, is getting worse. Darede- uh, Daredevil is amongst my top uh, favorites out of the uh, the Marvel verse. Uh, I knew I loved you, Philip, the minute I laid eyes on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dare- uh, Daredevil is up there. Uh, I- I've I'm not a huge X Men fan, but I've always uh, also liked. Uh, uh, Nightcrawler. Yes. (laughs) Anybody who has to teleport in and out of hell. (laughs) And he had like the 
Ninja Turtle hands. Yeah, the Ninja awesome. Turtle hands, yeah. Ninja I, and I love I love drawing Nightcrawler. It's probably one of my favorite guys to draw because he's so flexible and you can do these just like crazy poses with him. Oh yeah. And I and every time I read um, X Men because I knew he was German, you know, mm -hmm. could Wagner, you know. Yeah. And I studied German in high school because all the trendy kids were doing Spanish. So I'm like, I'm gonna be different. And <laughs> in my job right now, I wish I would have took Spanish. But <laughs> I, I feel you. I did Latin. <laughs> See, I would have Latin would be good too. Anyway, lost my thoughts, but I always read them in a German accent, which made the book more fun for me. <laughs> <clears throat> so you mentioned Jenny, uh, the the Ninja Turtle. So would you consider the uh, the critters that are anthropomorphized as superheroes, or do they have to be human to be superheroes? Oh, see now you you hit one of my Achilles. I I I'm very bad about anthropomorphizing things, like. <laughs> Hillbilly had to cut a mirror out of one of my flash fiction because it put me over the thousand words. And I fought for that anthropomorphized mirror. And then finally he went, nope. And I said, fine. <laughs> but I so will put that. And if whatever. we're talking about the Ninja Turtles, you got to go whether or not you're going cartoon or the uh, the comic book. See, because that's a much more brutal. It is a very brutal, very brutal. Like, um, yes, I how it made it to a kid show is beyond me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I don't, knowing I don't, the comic books before I saw the cartoon. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it depends. I think because I mean, you've got is Shredder the hero or the turtles the heroes? Do they become heroes because he's a hero? I mean, yeah, I'm totally for anthropomorphizing. Dude, I named my car, and you know how normally cars and boats are girls? Yeah, no, mine's a boy. And my little monster kicks ass because I said so. So, yes, I'm all for anthropomorphizing something and making it, like, center stage. But, no, I grew up on the Turtles. I was one of the only girls in school who watched the Turtles, listened to the Turtles. I was one of the only girls. And I was like, all the rest of the girls, I was like, well, y'all are missing out. Not my fault. You can sit there and do whatever. But I'm going to sit there and watch Turtles. And the kid show i agree i don't know how the hell i got turned into a current kid show with that like <laughs> walkie animation like the teen titans go animation yeah, no, yeah. oh the newer teen version go yeah. is retro this was uh cutting edge at the time yes but i was definitely the one watching the turtles the movies with like the big cause yeah okay so um, you, you think the uh you think superheroes can be the uh, the anthropomorphized creatures. Does anybody disagree with that? Hillbilly better not. Philip won't. No. <laughs> oh, dun dun dun! The coup is coming. <laughs> Next, in four ravens publishing. <laughs> I'm I. I've just regressed about thirty years. I'm digging through some stuff. Oh, yes. there you okay. go. Mikey. Yeah. See, back in the day, I was so influenced that, um, you know. Well, I'll, 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 I'll give you some layout. There you go. And, well, that one you might be able to see a little bit better. Nice. Just, <laughs> I mean, just some awesome. random stuff. They have Blitzkrieg. I mean, I drew so many character forms and all that, just trying to learn how to draw, which eventually got down to the point of um, uh, taking reference out of comic books 
out of those little tiny squares that were, you know, about yay big in the page. And doing full page. Oh, I'll give you full screen oh. again. Cable. Oh, yep. nice. And that was, I mean, that was literally like just, just a tiny square, and I freehanded from what I was looking at. And then, love Cannonball. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Guthrie. So, okay, so I guess that counts. Is there anything that is uh, commercially been called superhero that you would say, nope, that doesn't count? Uh, the boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Watchmen. <laughs> well, now, it, again, I mean, that's an alt history superhero tangent, man. I mean, that's no different than what we're doing right now with Bent, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. My guy that I'm writing for the Benton universe, he's definitely going down that that anti-hero um, um, Punisher, Lobo style character. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I read back in the day. So getting to play with a superhero with that kind of attitude is just beautiful. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Has anybody else seen any examples that were called superheroes that you didn't think qualified? Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure Most of what Marvel and DC are putting out now? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen anything new in a while. Uh, pretty yeah. much any new yeah. X-Men that, they, that they're bringing out is, oh, my Lord. No. Pandering? Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be the term for it, yeah. yeah. Tokenism. So I never understood the whole Thanos thing because if he could snap and make half the people disappear, couldn't he snap and make like twice the food appear and problem solved? Okay. All right. So here's the thing with Thanos. In the comic books, he's, he's not that, that powerful. No. No. The the movies OP'd the hell out of him. Yeah. Okay. They did. Like like Hulk literally beat himself. Like just like pulled a you know, like the first Avengers movie when he grabbed Loki and just thrashed the hell out of him. That that's that's how Hulk handled Thanos. And not I mean, Thanos scream. had a helicopter for God's sakes. The <laughs> yeah. Thanos copter. Yeah, and, and not to uh to, to conjure up the, the the more modern tokenisms, but I mean he got beat by Squirrel Girl. <laughs> and they OP'd the hell out of her. She was never <laughs> yeah. that powerful. No, but I'm kind of for it. <laughs> you know. I was like, okay, yeah, you go, Squirrel Girl. About that's time you get your come up. It's that's the one thing that uh, bugged me with what you're what you called tokenism. I don't know. I just call it lazy writing. If you want to have representation in fiction, I'm all for it. Make new characters oh, yeah. and give them no, unique absolutely. backstories. But exactly. if they do that and it's a wild success, they have to share some of that success with the creators writing it and their greedy son of biscuit eaters over there at the uh, studios, and they don't want to share. So instead, we're just going to do the one millionth reboot of Superman and Spider Man. And yeah, I'm so over all these freaking reboots. I. Yeah. I don't want to see another Spider-Man. I don't want to see another Batman. I most of the X-Men stuff they pump so much out so quick. I don't care anymore. Same thing with yeah. I want I want some Green Lantern action. Yes. So have any of you watched um Black Lightning oh, oh, oh. on Netflix? Yeah. I actually I actually enjoyed yes. that for for a while. Me what too. Most Black of the Lightning series I, yeah. I enjoyed. No, it gets kind of hokey after a while, but yeah, yeah even the subject matter I mean, what, what do you and expect? It, it got all of the political points that they wanted to make, but they did it in a way that didn't feel preachy. So it just worked yeah. for the story. I'm like, okay, yep. cool. Yeah. 
No, that was yeah. yeah. It was it was it was a good. It's a good show. Well, it was a good show. Well, yeah, I, I liked that they made him earn it. Like it wasn't just suddenly he has this power and he's OP, and suddenly his daughter has power and she's OP. Like they got their butt kicked along the way for their hero's journey. Like talking almost died. How are they going to make it to another episode? Kind of you know concerned for them. Sounds like my yeah, poor they, characters. It, it, was, it was like <laughs> the early uh, the early seasons of the Flash. Exactly. Yeah. I was just I was just going to say that. Philip. I was like, because the Flash got his ass handed to him oh, quite yeah. a bit yes, as he did. was learning his powers. You know, it wasn't like the John Wesley ship Flash, which I was a big fan of because you know I was so desperate for comic books being in another media. Yeah, you know, like television. You know, where he just he got hit by lightning, mixed with chemicals. Next, you know, he's a Great ass superhero. Um, what I like about uh, the CW's Flash, it was yeah, he had to earn that. He yeah, had he to did. earn every step of it, you know. And what I think really brought the series down is when, honey, your favorite your favorite thing to bring up when we talk about the CW Flash, <laughs> Iris West. When Iris says, "We are the Flash." Yeah. So when Iris West says we are the Flash, I think I, myself included, I was like, uh, "Are we though?" Does the Flash uh, have multiple personalities now? When you had, well, the, I mean, yeah, with Salvatore. But so, <laughs> so you'll get a kick out of this, then Nick. So you know, my youngest son is, is special needs, and so he's very much a, law, a lore lawyer when it comes to canon of all the, the properties he enjoys. Yeah, he loves and how they Marvel yeah. and DC. I like that and kid so already. He was watching the Flash, and he's like. Daddy, did the, did the writers not read the books? <laughs> and I'm like, no, son, I don't think they did. And he goes, oh, they, why I don't they, they hire over? He's like, why don't they hire better people then? And I'm like, that's that's the million dollar question. Because <laughs> me and John are making our own comic books right now. Yeah, pretty much. I, I got tired of asking that question. Because nobody here gives a shit about that. Or crap, sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. But yeah. No, I was... I was I'm, agreeing I'm with you with my the head, so I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Okay. So, yeah, I'll get that later. It's okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll totally edit that out. We're going to pause for a moment where we're going to shamelessly shill for the man. And this time it is a man because it is, he's sitting right here. He has not been stabbed yet. So Madam Stabby has been very nice to him, but Solarian Prime is, is sponsoring this episode. What? So thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. For those that you are over on the audio podcast, uh, we promised the pictures were pretty and you should hop on over at the 34-minute uh, mark-ish. And the ish is doing a lot of heavy lifting. And go go watch that commercial because the art is pretty. 
bring bring the music Somebody's back. I was rocking, man. You like that? But yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. We need to talk offline. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the air guitar was kind of sweet though. Like, I'm, you were pulling it off. Yes. So, all right. So we were talking about superheroes. Thank you for sticking with us through the commercial interlude. Thank you, Nick, for sponsoring this episode. But we've talked You're about welcome. what is a superhero. We've talked about the differences between superheroes and vigilantes with ga uh, gadgets and all the things. Um, we haven't talked about because we've all the examples we've given have been superheroes in the modern-ish world. Maybe some changes, but but mostly contemporary or historic with the uh, the Watchmen. Do you think superheroes can work in other uh, mediums like a fantasy novel or a futuristic sci-fi, or do they have to be in modern times? Okay, no, they can, they can work. Out. I don't think the time frame matters. No, Avatar, Tank Girl. Yeah, it, yeah. It really depends on what you classify as a superhero. I mean. Do they have to have powers? Is it a matter of the gear and the cash they can spend? How do you define the superhero? Look at the shadow, the phantom. Blue Beetle. Yeah. Blue Beetle. The, yeah, like the OG original. Blue Beetle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have listened to some of the old radio dramas of the shadow from back in the day, like in the 30s. Those were actually surprisingly good. They hold up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just the language. Yeah, I remember that Flash Alec Gordon. Baldwin movie wasn't completely terrible. Yeah, Flash Gordon, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The old Flash Gordon absolutely falls into it, and the way they did the 80s movie, mm. you know, he's just a dude, but yeah. still, he's the superhero of the day because he saves the day from the evil overlord. He was powered by Queen, so that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Quarterback, New York Jets. <laughs> I've met him at Dragon Con last year and escorted him down through, through the freaking um, – uh, parade to get down to the uh, Marriott. Did he? Did he offer you a bump? A what? A bump? A little line? A little? You know, a little nose candy? No. Did you offer him any of your mead? No, I was trying to get to a panel. <laughs> yeah, panels, I had panels. And we was like, all right, let's truck it. Let's go. Play, yeah, uh, play, an, escort, uh, play an escort, and you're wondering why they think you're security. <laughs> you, yeah, you wonder why the answer's in the question. I, um, That's right. Okay, so so you, have you seen any successfully done fantasy, like high fantasy or or you know Tolkien esque fantasy where there are superheroes? I was a big fan of Battle Chasers. I know it didn't last very long, but I liked that. I heard Joey that. I brought it back. But yeah, okay. I mean that Battle Chasers was a a really good example. It's a superhero book that's not a superhero book. It's set in a fantasy world. Okay. Transformers, yeah. Would you yeah. consider Transformers a superhero? I'd more more of the heroes because I mean everybody on that planet has relatively the same power base and strength and all that. So I think there's just those are just either heroes or villains. Well, I mean, send the bad guys named Decepticons. Like, how do you not know they're the bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> Autobots roll out. <laughs> All right, so you're going for voiceover work to, to you know, f feed her habit for Vans. That's nice. Yes, I've I've been a fan. Uh, Peter Cullen is probably one of the best voice actors out there, and, and it's completely biased because he was in Transformers and GI Joe. Most people don't know that, but uh, yeah, he's then how he developed the voice is because his uh, brother was a Vietnam veteran, 
Okay. And how, how he came up with the voice for Optimus Prime, he tells his brother because they were living together because he was a voice actor. So he's definitely down on his luck and not making money. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, hey, man, I got this uh, I got this audition going on for a kid's show about like these uh, robot heroes. And I guess his uh, he he emulated he created the voice based on how his brother talked. And he's like, well, if you want to be a real hero, don't be one of them Hollywood heroes with the tough guy lines. Be a real hero. Be compassionate. You know, and that's how he, he rolls in there. He had a completely different idea of how he was going to do the voice for Optimus Prime. And he goes in there and he just, opt, you know, Autobots transform and rule and roll out, you know, and they loved it. And then he got the job and he's been the voice of Optimus Prime since then. You know, it's a really cool story. Uh, when he tells it, I got, I get chills every time I hear it. It's, it's like, okay, so he took somebody new and he, took that in and he created this iconic hero, the voice of that hero. Because you couldn't do Optimus Prime with anybody else's voice other than Peter Collins. You know, it just I mean, even though I'm a pretty close mark to it, it still wouldn't fit. People would know the difference. I mean, I know the Decepticons are the villains, but I would take a sound screen uh, or a, in a heartbeat. I'd be walking down the street like John Cusack and <laughs> With the boombox on my shoulder <laughs> all day long. Oh, yeah, that synthesized voice that he had. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, that's another iconic one. The the most iconic voice is the uh the African American actor who did the voices in the police academy movies. Oh, oh yeah. Winslow. Oh yeah. yes. He I'm not convinced that, that wasn't like voiceover. I, I know they say he did them all himself, but I still like I'm skeptical. I'm like 50% there. Wasn't Dude, he the, guy that, the guy that did Destro was yeah uh, yeah he was like they well. got the blips the chips yep. the flips yep. you know yep, yep. and he I did think all the, the guy that did Shredder in the Ninja Turtle cartoon was blacks as well yeah he yep. was Uncle Phil on uh on Fresh the Prince Bill yeah wait that was him yeah, yeah same dude he was crazy he was voice actor he yeah. he's done he's done other other shows too yeah okay. All right. So, where do you talk about all of it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's crazy when some of the voice actors you associate with one thing appear on another. So, like, um, we interviewed when we were still sci-fi shenanigans, Rainbow Sun Franks, uh, who was an iconic character in the Stargate Atlantis franchise, criminally underutilized character. Um, and when we were interviewing, he was talking about you know some of the roles his sister because he comes from a, an acting family, and his sister was the one of the voices for the characters on um, Rugrats. And he said, so, and then you see her and then you start playing wow and you realize she's also on there. So you're like, wait a minute. I listened yeah. to her when I, you know, the kids show and suddenly she's like ogre number 12 or whatever. It's sometimes when they cross over, it's like, wait, no, no, you're supposed to stay put in this neat little box we put you in. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. look at Mark Hamill. Yep. You know, yes. Luke Skywalker. He was the voice of the Joker in Batman the Animated Series. Wait, really? I didn't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't he, he was in the Flash the, TV was... show as well? I'm sorry, say that again. Wasn't he in that Flash TV show as well? Yes. Yeah, he was uh, the Both trickster. Yeah. yeah. He was okay. also in the, uh, the Dark Crystal <laughs> Yeah. He was also the scientist in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, the Skeksis. Yeah. Uh. So it's like it. Like I told my my son about that. Um, he's like, "Are you, are you, are you messing with me right now, Dad?" And I'm like, "No." I, Luke Skywalker is the Joker. And he's like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Because that's one of my favorite cartoons to watch when I want to go to bed. Oh, yeah. 
So I'll throw on some Batman animated series and like Stabby Stab was like, how does he not know this? I'm like, I don't know. There's a failure in our parenting somewhere. <laughs> but we're going to fix that right Popping now. the ball. So back to the topic of superheroes and what makes a good superhero. Like there's obviously heroes exist in all fiction and all formats. So where is the line where hero and super meet and a hero becomes a superhero? Like where is that dividing line? Um, I think the, the short answer is when like a hero could be just about anybody. Like, yeah, you, you return a wallet to somebody that dropped it out of their pants. That, that could be a hero. You know, when we start going um, to superhero, would you um, really we're, call we're that heroic? I mean, there was no, there was no risk. There was no gain. There was doing the right thing when no one was looking short. Sure, nice. Well, on you, you have to look at the definition and how you value a hero. hero is yeah. already overused. Okay. So say we even throw in risk. All right. So he dropped the wallet in the middle of the street and there's oncoming traffic or traffic going both ways. And he goes out of his way to dodge traffic to recover the, the wallet. Right. And bring it to somebody. Right. This is the right thing to do. That would be considered heroic because there was risk to the hero. And there were some challenges set like dodging cars, plain human frogger. All right. So we start dealing with superheroes. Superheroes deal with things that are not meant to be um, solved by. I guess the best way to put it be mortal men, ordinary men or women. All right. So when you start throwing in and a lot of um, authors, writers and, and comic book creators do this, we we elevate we we elevate the risk by really patting the scales on the side of the bad guy. Like this guy's going to win it. You know, like he's too powerful. He's too strong. He has, he's cosmically charged. He's, you know, he's got all these things that he's the, he is the winner, you know, in any stretch of the imagination. And then you got this one guy that says, no, not on my watch. That's not going to happen. And he's willing to risk himself and everything that he stands for to defeat that threat. I think that's what makes them the superhero. And it doesn't have to be in comic books. I don't think, um, because we, we saw it in the token books, you know, we've seen it in Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings, we saw it in The Hobbit, we took these ordinary characters that were facing challenges that were way outside their pay grade or wheelhouse, and they came out on top, you know, but you only get to be that superhero if you come out on top, you know, other than that, you become a martyr or just the, the valiant hero that, you know, you just, oh, you almost get downgraded to like hero status if you fail. With that kind of definition, you know, if you, you start digging back into the old tales, like Beowulf is himself is a superhero by definition. Yeah, he's a normal dude fighting um, Grendel. Then you get into Hercules, you get into Daniel, you know, out of the Bible. He would technically yeah. be a superhero because he beat the giant. Right. David, you know, uh, Perseus. Or, yeah, David. Perseus. Uh, like, there's so many um, examples in our in our lore, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody by calling that, but I'm trying to be like multi-faith, multicultural here. Uh, so in our, it sounded like you fell. He probably did because I said something intelligent. <laughs> JR. Tap twice if you're alive. I'm alive. I dropped my phone. Oh, that'll do it. Every time. I was trying to mute real quick so I could turn off the ringing because I thought I already did. Okay, just making sure because it, it didn't sound good there, buddy. They yeah, I don't want any brain damage. I got to be careful. It's like, am I calling the cops right now? What's going on? They're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're spying on me. Like, where's the camera? Where's the camera? 
I have a feeling that's going to happen. I'm going to be like mid heart attack. My phone's going to go off. I'm like, send help. They're like, we're going to try to reach you about your car's extended warranty. And I'm like, send help and I'll do it. Uh, so goofy. But yeah, I think that's the characteristic which uh, separates the uh, the hero from the superhero. Um, don't get me wrong. The hero does have his own challenges and his own obstacles to overcome. But I think the superhero has something that is, uh, it seems like, a, and I hate to use this term, but a Herculean task. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got something that's not it, meant for. That's the truth, though. A normal dude. Yeah. I mean, they're able to overcome hell. Throw Indiana Jones into it. Um, 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 third movie, you know, when he, he's going through, uh, the, the trials and yeah. the trials and everything, when he gets up there, you know, takes that step out into the open abyss, mm. and there's the walkway. It's like, man, yeah. that, that, that right there, that's a Herculean task. That yeah. The leap of faith at the lion's head. I mean, he had that obscure clue and he's like, oh, I think this is what that that means and you see him he closes his eyes in that scene i'm a huge indiana jones fan so um he you notice that he closes his eyes and he just commits to it he's like well one of two things is going to happen either i'm going to step on something that's going to save me from peril or i'm going to fall down this crevice to my death and he just each i really that kind of defines the hero it's like what defines courage it's like being afraid you do it anyway so something about what you said for your definition between hero and superhero, it sounds like everyone who's successfully heroic becomes a superhero. And I don't know that I agree. So I did a Google search because, you know, the gods of Google are never wrong. Uh, and this is where in the comment section, dear listener, we want you to come in and, and argue with us and tell us we're right, we're wrong. We don't know what we're talking about. Volunteer to come on and we'll do a second panel. Like all the things are possible. Um, but it says, you know, quick little you know, dictionary definition says a type of a superhero, a type of stock character, usually possessing supernatural or superhuman powers um, and dedicated to protecting the public, which I kind of agree with by that definition. I mean, did, did Frodo really have superhuman powers? No, he just did the right thing anyway. I wouldn't call him a superhero heroic. Absolutely. However, he did have a superhero's weapon. He had sting. He did. So he he had an enchanted weapon that he could wield, which kind of elevates him. I don't know. An argument could be made on both sides. Is that any different than like Shazam? When when we were talking about cartoons earlier, I was thinking of uh, Thunder the Barbarian. He's not necessarily a superhero. He has no powers of his own. But even though once or twice where he took the sword away, that didn't stop him from doing the right thing. Because he was Thundar. Yeah. Thundar. I love that. God, I miss those shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go back and watch them, though. Don't. It, it, it'll no, they don't hold up. No. no. I'm, wa- I'm watching the bubble dude just wander I, around, and I'm like, oh. why did I like this character so much? He's an idiot. I felt that way when I watched um, um, Lost in Space. I tried to watch the original that I watched on TV with my kid. I'm like, you're going to love this. And I'm watching it. I'm like, nope, nope. We'll go back and watch something else. This is bad. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. I don't good. remember why I love this. <laughs> I was like that so. with Thundercats. I, I found a a uh, copy of one of the bazaars on one of my, other, my older deployments. As soon as I watched the first episode, I was questioning my decision making. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, now Thundercats held up decently. I mean, probably better than most most of the old cartoons. I can see why. I liked it as a kid, but as an adult, I'm like, wow. I, I, mm. That's how I feel about the Transformers movie, like the cartoon version. Right. Yeah. Like, this is a 90 minute rock video that's going to give me a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, does anybody else, uh, other than Nick and I, have opinions on where the line between hero and superhero lies? I've always looked at it as yes, superpowers. That's what makes you a superhero. Your 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 actions are what make you uh, the hero. an actual hero. So could you be a superhero then by that definition and be evil because you have the superhero powers but you use it badly or for I, bad? I I would consider you more of a villain because then your actions are usually self-centered or self-serving or you're deliberately out to hurt someone that's those aren't heroic acts no then you end up being black adam pretty much <laughs> so is there a difference between villain then to, to use the the mirrored opposite so if there's a line between where a hero becomes a superhero is there in and the definition i gave is the powers is there a line where a villain becomes a supervillain It's when they get jacked up on power. I mean, yeah. Doc Ock. Yeah. Doc Ock, um, the, the, uh, the Hobgoblin. What was it, yeah. the Hawk? Powers definitely Joker. help. Uh, or when you have to have more than one hero to, to, to thwart you. Maybe when it's when, you, get when called. your integrity <laughs> just stops. Mm -hmm. You stop having integrity, you just, just kind of lose zero aspect to become villain. Mm. I, I always do like seeing what motivates the villain because the, like Nick was saying earlier that the hero is only as good as the villain they're, they're taking on to me. If uh, the villain has a good reason to, or justifies the writer justifies why the villain is behaving the way they are to me, it makes, it makes sense that, Hey, this is why the hero is going to step in and try to stop that villain from taking over the world or whatever, whatever they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. But then you get the ones where the hero, the, the villain isn't just a villain. They're an empathetic villain where you know why they're doing what they're doing. Like they have a reason they've been screwed over. They got the short end of the stick mm -hmm. or something happened and they're responding. They're reacting in a way that's, immoral unethical bad or you know whatever deserves a kick in the shins but you can understand why they're doing what they're doing it just doesn't make it right dennis was right yeah i mean i mean if, if... marvel had a hard time pulling that off with uh, uh with most of their villains uh they're either forgettable or they they just have the weakest of uh of in goals as far as the movies go now the, I, the, the early yeah. sam raimi spider-mans the first couple of them i mean you you felt for the villain at least and then after that it uh, uh somebody forgot my name or didn't invite me to a birthday party yeah, yeah very maleficent <laughs> yeah it's i i think marvel's kind of lost its way in the fact that the most interesting villains are the ones that there's no rationality behind them mm. you know you have the joker you know, and they made that Joker movie. It's like, well, he's crazy. So, we kind of, you know, and he was shunned and society didn't really get, you know, understand him. No, 
the Joker was cool because he was batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah. The original Joker was dark. Yeah. The original uh, Joker, Joker before the, you know, the Neil before Adams. Adam West and all that shit. It was no, dark, Adam, dark. Yeah. yeah. Like his introduction and then after the Adam West, the, the Batman 66, when Neil Adams started getting involved, um, you, you started seeing, a, you know, this dark Joker. There's no rhyme or reason to what he's doing. You can't justify it. Just saying he's crazy doesn't ex- exclude him from why he's doing what he's doing. He don't even mm-hmm. know what he's doing. Like uh, Heath Ledger, he's like, I, I'm a dog. Heath Ledger's version. Cars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, he, I wouldn't know what to do with it once I caught it. You know, he just does things. You know, and I think that was probably if you mix that with the Jack Nicholson Joker, you would have the best cinematic Two best Joker versions. That ever existed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd have yeah, the anarchist and you'd have yeah, the, yeah, the mob boss. You know, so that's how I feel. Hillbilly, I've got the art you sent for the bent. Is that you, I'm going to throw that on the screen so you can tell us why you thought that was fitting with what we're talking about. Well, I, 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 that's why I disappeared. I went to go see if we had a copy downstairs, but I think we sold out at the last con. I couldn't find the copies, but it's okay. Yeah, so uh, we're writing superheroes now. Uh, full fiction stories. The first one, Annoyed with Lloyd, was Christopher Woods. It's his universe. Uh, Biologic enhanced nascent talent. Basically, a comet lands in the 1950s, and 15% of the population gets useless. Bent. Yeah, they get bent. They get useless talent. You know, uh, the the chick's beard can grow down to her waist in two hours, <laughs> or fingernails can grow to ungodly lengths in no time. You know, useless crap. But then 1% of the 15, they got an actual talent. They're the ones that their weather control, fire, ice, you know, the true epitome of what we see as superheroes in comic books. And, uh, you know, a little bit of alt history with this. We're, we're playing around with that. But we're having fun writing stories. Uh, myself, Jenny Wren, and Phil are all writing in the universe. Oh, yeah. And I put them to the challenge of, you know, we got 45 days starting this past Monday on the 17th God. to write yeah. 50,000 words and knock out a novel. And may the odds ever be in your favor. Absolutely, because yeah. <laughs> you know what? Google Docs ate my freaking outline, so I've been trying to read it over the last couple of days. I didn't do it. Jenny sent her freaking electronic gremlins after I me. didn't do it. That's her story. She's sticking to it. Oh, I'm sticking to that one. Like, if I can't see it, I can't break it. So, sorry, Hillbilly. Okay. So, we've Rule talked four does about... Apply. <laughs> Rule 4 you know, does not apply. <laughs> So there's there's a tendency in modern, and I don't know if it's the anti-hero, if it's just societies that broken, but a lot of people lately will, for, for whatever reason, they tend to side with the villains more and more I'm seeing when you hear cultural discussions. And then more and more they're writing in where the in the in-universe where the superheroes exist, the society at large turns on them. Why do you think that's a, a trend that you see in superhero fiction? Because everyone's a victim. Yeah, (laughs) or everyone wants to be a victim now. Jeez, I blame Spider-Man three with Sandman. Go on. So, uh, the Sandman is a he's a dick in the comics. Yeah, (laughs) like there's he's not doing it for his kid. He give he couldn't care less if he had a kid out there, let alone a sick kid. He could care less. So in Spider-Man three, they such. Yes, I was so. <laughs> that I'm like, well, uh, that that's one thing that I'm absolutely seeing, though. You know, just like they said, the characters are all victims, and it's like 
come on. You're beating a dead horse. It's getting boring. Give us something good. Go back to, hey, dude just fell in the vat of chemicals. Now what what happens to him? Where's yeah. our radioactive spider again? Or Let's something have like some fun, bats. <laughs> you know? You know? Where is that? Okay. It's not there anymore. It's Comics used to be fun. Yeah. When you're villain, you had no idea what their motivations were other than they just wanted to cause chaos. It wasn't because they were doing it for a sick kid. The only one that I will I will give a uh, a pass on is uh, Mr. Freeze. I was thinking, oh, oh. Well, yeah, so, yeah Mr. Freeze yeah. always had a reason. His, his whole animus, his whole sole purpose was to save Nora, who yeah. was dying from McGregor disease stage four. Yeah, Schwarzenegger yeah, did that. Doesn't that make too. him an empathetic bad guy though? He is the first empathetic bad guy. And I, and I love him for it. I think it seems like everybody else is kind of trying to find that formula. And it just, it doesn't come off as genuine. With Freeze, it does. Yeah, with the, the, the animated series did Freeze beautifully. Oh my God, it's like, I, I don't usually cry at cartoons, but I cried at that cartoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got like a couple of tears. I'm like, I would do the same thing. You know, if I had those resources and I had that problem, absolutely I would do that. Mm. You know, and I think everybody tries to, well, at least modern audiences try to capitalize on that and it falls short. It's just, it feels forced. It doesn't feel genuine. Um, I don't really care, which kind of sucks because they're like, they present these problems where I should care. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't care. You know, it's like, you're a bad guy. You, you killed, <laughs> killed Peter's uncle, you know? Well, you yeah. know, you look back at the old action adventure stuff and all that back in the fifties and sixties, the bad guy. He had his skull island and he just did it because he wanted to sow chaos across the world. Or to get money. Yeah. Well, you know? And, you know, and half the time it wasn't even about the money. It was about doing it before someone else did it or doing exactly. it to just to prove them wrong. You know? Yeah. Climb that mountain. I, I think at some level, if you make a character too overpowered and there's a tendency to do that they don't play the long game and suddenly like they write a mary sue or whatever character and so having the community turn against them is a way to instantly like level the playing field reset the clock as it were because now not only do they have to contend with the bad guys but you know john q public so to a point i get why it can be a reset but it seems like everybody and their brother is doing that these days and at a certain point in time, like if the community really doesn't want you there, like okay, good luck, I'm out. Like, yeah, it, it it almost becomes like sadomasochistic that the guy's sticking around to save these you know losers that are turning as evil as the bad guys. And I've yeah. always wondered why they feel the need to do that. Uh, uh good question, man. Yeah, it I that a lot. <laughs> Greed. <laughs> You know, it's like if we make this villain this way, maybe more people will buy his toy, I guess. I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. So what is uh what is ever does anyone else Jen, you've been quiet. Like you've got a lot of opinions, I'm sure, or, or Billy wouldn't Hillbilly wouldn't have invited you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I've got opinions, but I also like hearing other people's. Because, I mean, if you only have one opinion, things get kind of boring, right? But. You get her really worked up and her computer will crash. 
that yeah, too. Yeah, don't get her emotional. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah. <clears throat> he, he, Philip wasn't kidding about that part. <laughs> How many machines I, did you kill last week? Three. <laughs> just, just, Yikes. just. I thought I was bad. She's actually got the superpower. Like, she's, she's the electro witch, uh, and she gets worked up and things disappear. That's yeah, a great that, name. That ain't no lie. I mean, seriously, we went out to Superstars. Me, her, and Ben Smith went to Superstars last uh, February. And on the way back, you know, it, Superstars is an emotional roller coaster, and along with a fire hose of knowledge for writing and publishing and stuff like that. And we was, uh, let's see, I was nowhere near the car. I had the keys with me, and the car just turned itself on by itself and started playing the radio and no it started playing your spotify and android auto started giving me directions turn left in 200 yards yeah and i was that's just skynet kicking in car wasn't even on let's see she killed two two card readers at the wendy's when we stopped for food Jeez. Uh, completely removed android auto from my phone and i had to reinstall it (laughs) i was in the back seat so when her emotions get wonky her electro field, man, it's just like and that's why rule number four with three ravens. Don't let yeah, Jimmy near the electronics. There, there actually is a rule with three ravens. Rule four is mine. I'm not allowed near electronics. It, it's an actual rule. So, it yeah. Tell her how many times. Uh, tell them how many times you had to rewrite uh, trailer park stories. <laughs> Six. <laughs> From you can come hang out with me anytime. Apparently, I attract lightning. So, so. <laughs> you can hang out with me. With me, with me. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, I, I try not to stay out in a lightning storm because I just kind of worry that it'll. Uh... Jenny, you want to be a supervillain in my comic? Sure. All right, cool. Bring it so, on. Speaking of powers, you know. One of the things I do notice in superheroes when they have powers that are like elemental or whatever they might be, the use of them is always so straightforward. It's like they they don't think past, I have lightning, must shoot lightning bolt. Instead of, oh, I have lightning, maybe I can control this electronic that runs on the same electricity. So why do you think that is? Is it lazy writing? Is it just, you know, the audience isn't as sophisticated? I know nothing about the demographics that enjoy this superhero stuff. It's not my jam. So I'm not, I just don't know. There's well, when you start talking about power sets where uh, they may be able to control lightning, but they may not have full electrokinesis, and it may okay. not transfer to technokinesis, which is another power set, um, it could be now, lazy writing. They just never thought about it. Now, now, I, I do have one question. Who in their right mind came up with the Wonder Twins? That, that I'm pretty sure like, drugs were involved. Yeah, that, that seems like the almost useless possible power combination ever. And they almost. have to be together for I'm the work. Well, and you're going to be an inanimate object. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Anthropomorphizing the heroes. <laughs> I'm going to be a bucket. You get to be the water in the bucket. Ta-da! And that was that was the, the Super Friends cartoon. That's what happens when you pander to the fans and you don't care about the quality of the work you're doing. You get stuff like that. They really need to get through that one a little bit better. They they were gearing it towards kids. Yeah, they they needed to come up with something that would work with the Hanna-Barbera crowd. 
think one but of my favorite also, cartoons was Batman and Scooby Doo. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I think also people don't tend to think. They don't think like dominoes. They don't think where the next four actions are going to land or the next four, what the impact is going to be. And they actually showed that in um, Supergirl, which I was not a huge fan of, but I watched it just to do due diligence. But like at the beginning, when she was learning to master her abilities and kind of use them, she was walking into a coffee shop where there was a, an active shooter, which by the way, yeah, that's its own thing. But you know, and she was the bullets are ricocheting off of her, which was great. But then later in the episode, James, the other reporter, whatever, he called her out. He goes, okay, yeah, so you weren't hit by those bullets. But mm. when they ricocheted, who got hit by those when they ricocheted? So it's not thinking two steps ahead or three steps ahead of the impact of those immediate actions. And I think a lot of people do that just naturally. So maybe they just don't apply that forethought to the superheroes. So lazy, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah thinking outside of tertiary effects. Right. I mean, that's that kind of goes in all genres. Like how many times have you read space opera where the, they're shooting all kinds of like round after round and they miss, but you never hear later where some, you know, shuttle pilots just driving along and suddenly he gets tore up by a gun that was fired from a battle three light years away because, you know, laws of physics being what they are. Like no one yeah. ever really addresses that knock on effects. I, if this, then I, that. I think if you try to write that, you, you, literally get a nosebleed and try and break and you'd break your brain it's like I mean, you, you thought that far in advance like how far is that blaster bolt that was aimed for the death star is traveling you, you know and it hits some spice courier 30 light years away in the same galaxy she, and everybody driving along is like boom you know yes and everybody in the galaxy next door is screwed because of all the stormtroopers right so <laughs> they can't well, hit anything anyway you're fine yeah, but that's yeah. where like you only have to throw an accent wall. You don't have to paint the whole room, just an accent wall to give the idea that these things do happen, and that's enough oftentimes. Like you, you got to give them walls. A... pony walls. Pony walls. You need a pony wall. Yeah. I don't know what a pony wall is. Uh, it's a it's a about a half body length type wall. It really doesn't do anything other than it's a catch all for all my random stuff when I come home. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Oh okay. Sorry about okay. But okay. So there, here's here's the uh, question because we you know we got a limited time and as we learn this new format we're trying to get our, our our pacing of the episodes so so bear with us dear listener and if you like the long ones I mean you've gotten a few two hours oops um, that's what happens when you put another history nerd with me together and we don't have adult supervision um, I, it's not my fault I was left unsupervised but so do you think there's a certain point in time in the arc of long-running superheroes where it's impossible to retcon them enough to fix the years of bad writing and you have to just kill them and start again? Or do you think all of them can be saved? After a while, I just say screw it and quit worrying about it. Yeah, I mean, DC ran into that problem in the 80s and they solved it with Crisis on Infinite Crisis Earth. Crisis on Infinite Earth, yeah. You know, it's probably some of George Perez's best work and... Uh, Wolfman, I think Wolfman wrote that. Um, and it, they still ended up after they fixed everything, it wasn't not even a decade later, they broke it again. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like Ron Swanson who broke it. I'm not mad, I just want to know, you know. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, at least on the comic book side of the house, is that we've, we've been dealing with these characters for some of them. 80 90 years mm. you know we've broken so much crap <laughs> it's 
we can't fix it anymore. We keep super gluing it back together and we can't do it. Well, from know? what I'm seeing, a lot of the mainstream stuff now is like, well, even though you've grown up reading this character and you know everything about him from the last 30 years, tough luck. We're changing key components of this character now so that they're no longer identifiable to you. Yeah, I, I don't get changing something that's there. Just like I don't get the reboots. It, I, I get sick of the changing what was originally created. It's just like, okay, like uh, Robert Jordan's Will of Time. Yeah, don't start changing canon of a universe that somebody else created. I, I can't stand that. Go with what was created. If you're going to add on to that universe, like, okay, Green Lantern, good example. They passed the power on. So, you know, you don't have the original Lantern anymore. It's been passed on to these others that have, have carried the burden. So that's a yeah. great progression. But reinventing the same damn thing over and over and over, no. Well, that that's just it. A lot of what I'm seeing, the art to me looks very sterile. And I can't tell one from another. Because when I grew up reading comics in the 80s and 90s, I was always excited. Was, hey, Bart Sears is drawing so-and-so or Joe Casada is drawing this new book. I was excited because it visually was interesting to me. And then I'm a lot of writing, for you when he got brought on to do Daredevil and Marvel Knights. Oh, then, then a lot of the writing too, it seems like they're just pandering to, to people that wouldn't buy the books anyway. And the only changes they're making are making the character some uh, ethnic minority or sexual minority. And that oh, tough luck. That's how it is now. Put some Get effort wine. into the writing. Get, make new characters. Exactly. I honestly think that also it's the um, the people actually reading them because generations have definitely changed. Our generations, you know, Alex and perfect example. My first reaction to being struck by lightning on my seventeenth birthday is, "Do I get get super pass?" <laughs> Whereas my son's reaction probably wouldn't be the same it's also a generation so they're seeing they're seeing the same superman doing the same exact thing they're seeing the same the same man the same exact that thing but this new generation has a whole different set of other crazy worldly things to worry about that you know what we were worried back worried about back in the day it's not the same as what they're worried about so just scrap it and start over that's my theory on the subject though Okay, so as we as we start bringing this to a close, uh, what is everyone's super, uh, favorite power to ha that they would want if they were a superhero? Because you know we got to end it on a fun note. We're not just all gloom and doom about the status of superhero fiction. We're writing our own mostly. Well, everyone except me is writing their own. Um, so so they're they're contributing to the books they want to read. But what is your favorite? We'll start with you, Hillbilly. What's your favorite power that you would want if you were a superhero? I mean, you know, ability <laughs> would be cool, but you know that's going down a whole other tangent. Because um, you're a perv, family yeah, friendly. <laughs> no, um, no aliens, anything. No. Well, the amount of tricks that I could play too. Um, there's so many possibilities. It depends on which way you want to go with it. I mean, just having the regeneration that that Wolverine or Deadpool have. You can live forever, well, unless you lose your head or something like that. But hell, that, that he, didn't stop either one of them. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so I, it's hard to choose because there's so many different things that you can do. Um, 
honestly, Rogue. Rogue's power. Ooh. Because she can take whatever Ooh. power she wants as long as she has access to you. Now, I could see a bad guy having all these supers. Oh, wait. Siler from here. <laughs> Siler, yep. Damn Squirrel. it. Squirrel. I know way too much geek knowledge for a 45-year-old oh. man. I need a group. But the, oh, the wait, first, you're all here. The first season of Heroes was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So good. And then there's the Umbrella Academy. Oh, that's, that's cool. Cool. so good. Okay, got, we're all, we're all hitting the 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 boxes of awesome fandom. I have a tendency to like the more uh, obscure characters, and one of my favorite X Men is called Mimic. He could imitate anyone's anyone's powers as long as they were mutant. That right there, I would settle for that because I'd still be look normal, but then I can still do just about anything I wanted. As far as I know, he can keep it as long as he wants, I think. Yeah. It's either that or he had proximity to you or something. But No, so he was I, able to recall it. He had to learn that later. Yeah. But, but yeah, he any powers that he was able to absorb and mimic, he could hold on to. It was late. It took a lot of Professor X help them out. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, he's able to recall those, but it took a lot of focus. So he has to roll for initiative every time he wants to use it for yeah. my D and D fans. <laughs> so, um, what about you, Jen? What would you take? That it that's really hard, especially when you start looking at all the different fandoms and all the heroes, and then look at Bent and what we've been doing with that writing for that. It's it's hard to pick because you've got. Like, you want to be telekinetic, but sh but a strong enough telekinetic like Magneto that you can like simulate flying, or do you want to be like Quake from Shield who can still simulate flying and then also super strength, even though she's not, even though she doesn't have either of those. Oh, yo, so yo. It's like, that's cool too. I'm just saying, like, it, you have to look. I think at what do you want to be able to do, and then back that up so i mean i don't know i can't say everything because that makes me super villain but you know because i think i would want to know things like my my i'm writing an empathetic bad guy who i actually like more than i like my good guy character and he he can force truth out of people or things so he makes real good interrogator because he can't keep anything from him. But I think something like that might be interesting to be able to do. I mean, PD's everywhere would want to get you. And so with the mob, because, you know, all the bad guys want you because you can, like, make them into information brokers. So maybe something like that. But I also want to be able to fly because who doesn't want to be able to fly without wearing a plane other than Phil? Okay. Speaking of Phil, uh, what power are you going to take? You know what? If it, out of all the comic books uh, and whatnot that I've read, uh, and, and and I don't know if it's just uh, th that idea of making things blow up, uh, I, I like gambits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because flicking po uh, poker chips or playing cards <laughs> and and setting off minor explosions—that's great. 
Okay. So one of the silly <laughs> things we got to wear as a digital artist is Gambit's glove. Nice. What? Okay, so whoever played DC heroes or Marvel superheroes? Mm. I did for I think I did for a little while. I'm playing DC Universe Online right now. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm talking old, you know, D and D style. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, remember. I didn't I play say. any of the Marvel stuff. I I played some DC stuff. I don't remember which one it was, but we we rolled up characters. We were playing. And one of the most useless superpowers ever I had the most fun with because I drove the DM nuts. The, the, the character's power, he, he had this little bit of water control. And it, it equated to he could make you want to pee. So he'd be <laughs> in there and here's the supervillain or whoever, you know, they're they're in training. He's like, Eep. and they just had to pee. And that, that was his whole power because he couldn't figure out anything else to do with the damn thing. But it was a blast to just throw that bit of chaos out there. I can hit the brown note. <laughs> okay. And boom, you got to poop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking mind control because Jedi, like, ever since I watched the, this is not the droid you're looking for, like, that just sounds cool. I'd never get a speeding ticket again. Like, yeah. When he's talking about, I was not speeding, that would be kind of cool. Powers. Mind I control. Jedi's were basically superheroes, but that's another episode because we're running out of time. Um, uh, space, wizards. space wizards. Space wizards. So I could see mind control being kind of cool or being able to stop time because, I mean, how many times have you just wanted a nap but you didn't have time? So if you could just pause time, you get stuff done and take a nap, you'd be in the money. Pause I mean, they're, time they're, get the words down. The nerd test is uh, is whether or not you anytime you walk through automatic doors, you do the Jedi move. Who doesn't? Every single <laughs> damn time. Every time, yeah. I do the small hand gesture at my side, so. Or when you that. when you flick the light switch and you say, "Let there be light." Yep. Aziz, light. Aziz, <laughs> light. If you're of a certain age, when you watch static, like if the TV flitches and you get static, and you say, "Step into the light, Caroline. Step into the light." I can't do uh, her voice though. I'm sorry. I just don't have it in me. Man, our Xbox turned on randomly at like one o'clock in the morning yesterday. Dogs were in our room. Nobody had access to it. It just turned on by its damn self. I didn't do it. So, what state are you in? Are you close to Jen? I'm just saying. I'm in California, man. I'm in Tennessee. There should be no ghosts here. We our powers old. have grown. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the comment section, dear listener, what power would you take and why? And um, we will not judge you for the morality of what you do or do not pick. So, you know, whatever. He who lives in glass uh, houses shouldn't throw stones and stuff. For, for, for me personally, I, I want, want access to the speed force. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I can see that. So I, I trip um, walking on flat floors. That's not a game my best interest. Now do it on water. So clearly this episode is winding down. So if there are any questions about superheroes we didn't ask, if you want a round two, reach out to us in the comment section. And with that being said, we're going to let our guests tell us what they're working on right now. We're going to start with you, uh, Hillbilly. So what are you working on, brother? I am working on my novel for the Bent Universe. I have no idea what it's going to be called yet. Um, but Get if Bent? You, <laughs> um, if, you like, if you like Lobo, if you like wolverine if you like deadpool that kind of character or the punisher then th this one might be for you it mine's going to be skimming that or writing that dark edge of torture porn possibly um yeah 
Well, this this character's going dark, but he's got a good reason to go dark. And well, and outlining the next for uh, my Car Wars trilogy. All right, and because I'm going to try to do like the clockwise and pretend I can read a clock that's not digital, uh, Nick, you're going to go. What do you what are you drawing today, sir? What's your working on? Uh, drawing wise, I'm I'm finished up commissions, and then I'm going to start on some uh, some comic book work. But uh, what I'm trying to get done right now is the lettering for Bengali issue three, which is going to go to crowdfunding on Fund My Comic. Um, probably here around August, August first, first week in August. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, and then Stabby is stabbing me to make sure that that gets done. She's the <laughs> you like it. I do. I love it. What do you th- I put a ring on it <laughs> just for that reason. She's like, I'm going to prod you with cattle prods until you finish your comic book work and your passions. And I'm like, bold strategy, Cotton. Sometimes you got to pay extra for that. What are you writing? writing? Nick, mute yourself. I want to hear what Stabby's writing. Oh, sorry. So I'm actually writing my own comic book that he he can draw. <laughs> um, we were talking last, last night about Ader I had when I was going cancer treatment. And um, everybody, everybody, this doctor, they wrote. And I remember looking at the, the doctor and going, you know, thanks for helping me get, get through it. You really are there. And he goes, why do you call me? Tell me that you're the one that did the fight, fighting. And it kind of triggered something in me. Whereas um, um, there's so many, many kids and people going through cancer treatment that I thought it would be, be cool for them to have their own superhero. So I'm writing a little something for the doctors, the patients, and we're all going to kick cancer's butt. One is the disease. Yes, the villain is one is the disease. Okay. All right. What about you, Philip? What are you working on right now? And if it's not something Hillbilly needs to know about, we can tell him to do the earmuffs. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm working on actually with the uh, event novel as well. Uh, we're in the, the grand race uh, to get the, uh, the second book in the slot. Mine is currently tentatively called Farmed Out. Uh, and uh, uh, with my character, Mark, who has the touch that infects people like morphine. Uh, and it's, it's more of a, uh, a jailbreak, uh, into, uh, medical labs, uh, kind of story. So it's sort of like a, a reverse heist is, uh, is the play on that one that I'm going with. And then I've, uh, editing trailer park three and working on my other novel. So yeah, I've got a pretty full plate. <laughs> hey Phil, where's my book? Working on I knew that was, was coming. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> my dedication to the first book comes uh one of the lines is Scott, here's your book. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. So because there's no exact perfect circle, we're just gonna um go with uh the middle square next. And I believe in the in the um Brady Bunch, you are the housekeeper. So for what that's worth. Alice. Alice <laughs> So Jen E. Wren, otherwise known as Alice, <laughs> what are you writing? I'm also working on my bent novel. Um, and yes, we are, the three of us are in a mad dash breakneck race. And I think for all of one day, I actually had a lead on Hillbilly for like one day. I think I had a lead on him. A win's a win. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. 
I've won so far one day. <laughs> well, you're still ahead of me because I'm still working on that freaking outline. Yeah, well, okay. See, so three days because I don't know. And Jenny Wren is taking the nose in the race and she's uh, going on the quarter mile there. And so there's that working on world building for mine, my, my novel that is apparently, according to Hillbilly, going to be nine because that's not any big thing when I get world building done and I get to be a slush pile reader. Philip and I both get to do slush pile reading for three Ravens, which makes me bang my head on my desk some days, but you know, Hey, what you going to do? Okay. And what about you, John? What are you working on at the moment? Um, I'm working on uh, a, since I had the Exodus Z recently got funded and got since all the backers, I'm doing a, six-page follow-up story that's going to be in um was it tales of the collective i think it's a local local comic shop here and they put out i want to say quarterly book maybe three times a year something like that and uh so it's going to be tales of the collective and then in my uh spare time i have a 90s style suicide squad type book that uh that i'm doing None of my heroes are wholesome enough to be uh, hero, real heroes, and not necessarily evil enough to be uh, full, full-blown villains either. So, for those that aren't in the same hometown, wherever that might be, as you, are the uh, comics that you're doing for that um, local store going to be available to the mass markets? Yes, the uh, Tales of the Collective is being crowdfunded, but at the moment. I can't remember if it's Indiegogo. I want to say Kickstarter for that one. I'm not going to swear to it because I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe it's on Kickstarter. And then uh, the uh, Exodus Z is already out. It got sent to backers. And we'll be starting uh, issue two here soon. The writer's already uh, brainstorming ideas for, for things for it. But I, I like it because it's full of uh, inappropriate humor. And then I still hide stuff in there that the, the writer didn't know about. Okay. So uh, that's sex in the dust cloud for Mufasa. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Bush that was real? Team. I never Bush looked. Well, yeah, I no, ended up real. killing off the entire creative <laughs> team in, in the first issue. So we're, oh, we're, nice, we're, nice. We're all, we're all old scattered. strategy, Cotton. Yeah. I love it. We're all scattered throughout the comic, and uh, so I, I, I got, I got. Uh, he was like, "What the hell, man?" <laughs> he never told me no. I, I sent him the uh, the, the uh, thumbnails and everything. He approved it on every stage. Once it once it's inked, it's no longer my problem. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, and I am working on the two series that we've talked about ad nauseum with James M. Ward uh, of D&D fame. Uh, the publishers will not publish them until we have finished the third and are writing the fourth. And um, I, with brain damage, I'm just not the fastest writer. So there's going to be a long lag time, but you're going to dig it. The beta readers for the first book, which is done, loved it. I got a few um, messages where they cussed me out and said, where's the next one already? Which is generally a good reaction. Um, unless they have skill sets and they actually try to find me, then that would be bad. But... So far, I'm pretty selective on who I let beta read just for that reason. So I'm just saying. Nick, he doesn't get to beta read. Sorry, brother. 
I mean, you know how to do things. You, you and I have worked together overseas. I know exactly what you're capable of. I'm not stupid. It's debatable, but we're all kind of. Yeah, we're. Yeah, yeah. Little section eight. Um, so that would be a fun character to write about in a modern military setting as the uh, the clinger or the the section eight screwball. What was the guy, the pilot and a team who was a little crazy? Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah. Write that kind of character in a modern setting. That could be fun. I've got goals. <laughs> all right. With that being said, we can't let you go without you all getting to tell listeners and viewers where they can find you on the wild, wild interwebs. Now we link Nick and I's information in every episode. Uh, so we will, we will sit this one out. We will start with you, Hillbilly. How can the viewers and the listeners find you? Uh, the easiest way is go to williamdoserroberts.com or threeravenspublishing.com. And you search pretty much any social media page and you'll find my stuff. Also, we've got a couple of Kickstarters. One's in pre-launch right now for the Car Wars or Car Warriors Universe series. And there's going to be another one for the Bent series after I get done with the Car War stuff. And then I'll do that one. And we're going to have Tuckerizations available for both those universes. Okay. All right. What about you, Jenny? Yeah, Rule 4 kicks in and I don't do a whole lot of social media because I, I do break it um, a lot. But you can find me on, I've got an Amazon author page. You have to go Jenny E. Ren to get to me. Um, you can find my stuff in the Three Ravens anthologies until I get bent done. And I'm going to be the second one. These other two guys don't, they know. They're going to be third and fourth. I'm going to be second. But um, that's about it pretty much right there. Okay. And that uh, next but not least, we have Philip K. Booker. How can they find you on the Wild Wild Interrupts? I mean, besides those that are like parked outside your house asking for book two. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know where he lives. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to tell him it was you behind the bushes, sir. I was going to let that slide, but you outed yourself. Just saying. Well, it, it's really hard to carry this white screen along with me and, and hide in the bushes. Uh, so that I'm really behind the boathouse. Uh, and, uh, you can, <laughs> you can find me on, uh, Facebook, uh, and to a lesser extent, Twitter and, uh, Instagram and all those, uh, but, uh, philipkbooker.com. And I have a little blurb, I think on three Ravens until I can get this bent novel in, I can get my full credit. Okay. Coins. Okay. Then, and then uh, I want my gambit coin. Yes. <laughs> you can just like chuck it at Hillbilly's head when you get mad at him. That makes that, Stephanie's that, more it, interesting. It, it could replace the F-bomb. It could. Oh, God. I like the <laughs> Do you want to replace the F-bomb? Uh, oh, no, no. There no. is actually a knitted bomb with F written on with it. F on it. Uh, that we throw oh, around at cons. <laughs> yep. Oh. A publishing house of dysfunction, I approve. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to assimilate into the Borg. Um, but uh, now we've got our – I realize I said last but not least with Philip, but I meant last but not least of Three Ravens. And Nick was, like, you know, screaming at me in the comment section that you guys thankfully don't ever get to read because uh, that would lose our family-friendly rating. Um, he's like, you forgot my friend John. And I didn't forget you, John, but you're not Three Ravens, so I, I should have been more clear. Um, I'll stand myself in a corner or something later. You know, maybe have a, a half of the vodka less afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> I'm on your coast in October. I'll take care of you then. I'm 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 used to being the redheaded stepchild. He's actually redheaded. Yeah. 
Wait, are you really? I'm colorblind. Is that red? Yes. I am <laughs> ginger as you can get. Okay. Which means he has no soul. He nope. doesn't need a soul. He just takes everyone else's. My ex-wife took that anyway, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> You've met the family court, I see. Uh, <laughs> Welcome you know, to the family. We meet on Thursday. Story. That would be an interesting origin story for a villain, the <laughs> family court. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, so where can the listeners find you on the internets? Um, I'm under Seclusion Studios on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then, what's that new one? Threads? Threads might be under my name. But I know the other three is under Seclusion Studios. And uh, I usually try to keep it similar. That way it's easier to find me. Uh, on there. And then uh, I have most of my work on my Facebook page. Well, most of my art is posted on my Facebook page. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's all, all under Seclusion Studios. Okay. All right. And you can find us, dear listeners. We're going to start with our link tree because they get really finicky if uh, on YouTube if we link to BitChute and Rumble. Those two platforms don't really care. They realize YouTube exists and it's the 300-pound uh, gorilla in the, or 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um, but we are on Linktree at Linktree, uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, Linktree backslash Blasters and Blades podcast where we link to our BitChute and Rumble. You can find us on Twitter where all the shenanigans happen. It's twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Again, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. And by shenanigans on Twitter, I mean we repost our episodes and sometimes I share science links, but I'm too wordy for Twitter, so I don't really go there. And the people that I follow are political and we're apolitical here on the Blasters and Blades. So I'm not allowed to comment because Doc and Nick start like yelling at me and then they do interventions and we have meetings and it's just a thing. So, you know, mostly we just share our episodes there, but we do have a presence. We have a Facebook group where we have lots of fun, share inappropriate memes about people that are heretical with their pizza. Pineapples do not belong, people. I'm sorry. It's just, oh, it's rebellion. Oh, yeah. Pineapple, or I mean, uh, jalapeno. Jalapeno and pineapple is good. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I knew something was wrong with you. <laughs> this, is, this is the true, true origin of the great schism uh, that ends the uh, the superhero packs because one of them is going to put pineapple on pizza, and then you have Civil War Marvel edition. And I'm just saying, but we're on That's Facebook it. at Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> we have facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast where we have a thriving community of a couple hundred where sometimes we talk to each other and sometimes we all just lurk but whatever it works for us don't judge um and now we know why the civil war happened in marvel i'm saying you did you didn't know is marvel and dc also used to be together but the debate over pineapple and pizza split them into two companies. Just a little known fact, but I'm just going to put that out there for you. So we're doing some Tarantino history right now. Okay. Absolutely. We call this retconning in the business, people. Uh, you just, which is basically code for we made it up because we didn't care enough to look. Um, then we have our website over on anchor.fm backslash blasters, tack and tack blades again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. Uh, you can help keep the lights on. These shows aren't free to produce and we appreciate every penny you give us. 
Or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Henley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Henley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly uh, participating in their self-help group for the heretical way they eat their pizza. It is verboten, people. We will work on them. <laughs> Years more of therapy. We might finally get them over the finish line. And you can do it for one penny a month, people. You can help this therapy session continue. Please do. All right. <laughs> Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the aforementioned Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And now we wait for that awkward pause.